Thank you for listening to part two of episode three of She Speaks Volumes. Part one was an excerpt from the dialogue on the infinity of love written by the poet, philosopher, and courtesan Tulia de Aragona. You can listen to it at shespeaksvolumes.ca or look for it in your favorite podcast player. This segment, however, isn't about the book. I am experimenting with formats and ideas, and I thought it might be interesting to explore what we think of love today rather than examine the philosophy of love that de Aragona presents. I hosted a Zoom chat with three very different people to gain some perspective and see what other people thought. It is difficult to know how to describe my guest this episode. Qualifications, after all, are not relevant to one's understanding or experience of love, but I do feel people need context. Terry Van Roon is a graphic designer and an instructor, my old design instructor, as a matter of fact. He has been married for 40 years. Fabian Dukert is in his early 20s. He is a bioengineer from Germany, currently volunteering here in BC at a dog rescue. He's single. And Jessica North O'Connell is an instructor, published author, and founding member of the 13th House Mystery School. She has been remarried for 22 years. First and foremost, I thought it was important to define love and to define desire. So, you know, I'm thinking is love like on a spectrum where we start with what can I get to what can I give, right? There's a spectrum we follow that kind of starts with infatuation maybe or lust, but ends up in this more deeper, meaningful relationship further down the road to almost like... um, when you think of saints, a completely self-emptying, self-giving thing. And then when I thought of that, I thought, wow, what, what correlates along with that line, that spectrum, is safety and vulnerability. It's sort of like you can move further and further down that intimacy, love spectrum, and, and vulnerability with it if there's a safety net to catch you. And I, I talk about that, like, you know, because I've been married for 40 years. Uh, well, I try to go about it as like a definition of a word. I mean, there is a set definition for the word love itself, but just as a concept, I would describe it, well, just as Westerners kind of define curry, because on the one side, there's the spice, and on the one side, there, on the other side, there's the dish. So in a way, I would say that on the spice level, so um, love is a certain kind of uh, set of emotions that can be activated by someone else. So there um, is some sort of affection and appreciation between two people. There's another thing called love, which is the dish. It's a relationship or a type of situation where this basic feeling of love is translated into a certain type of behavior or mindset, um, which makes both of the involved people or how how many ever they are connected and also going for the um, well-being of the others to me love is uh is an energy it is experienced at, by humans as a feeling you know in this in case but love is something that is free-flowing that is it just is. And when you are feeling it, it feels good. So the person experiencing love benefits from these good feelings. But until 
it is expressed, it has absolutely no real effect on the beloved. So, you know, we, ex we express love through our actions, through our service, through our, what we do for the other. I'm trying to emphasize the aspect of understanding and working together because I think that in um, today's climate, there's often the illusion of love. So there's a certain, there's the expectation to feel a certain set of emotions just because it's perpetuated through media and through movies and to music. Like yesterday when I was um, thinking about the question, I uh, filtered my Spotify with um, just the word love and there was so many songs just coming up uh, describing different, um, different aspects or different perceptions about it, which was pretty interesting in a way if, if you pay attention to the lyrics. I think just this whole perpetuating of the one true undying love or whatever variation thereof is just causing a certain sense of expectation that you have a certain pressure to feel this subset of feelings, whatever, and feel it every time or feel it towards other people. Um, and I think that this in turn leads to um, a false sense of love. Well, I, I think our English language is really uh, limited, you know, when I think of the ancient Greek or whatever, you know, you have eros and filio and agape love and they all mean something different, you know, so here we hear the word, uh, word love and like Fabian said, it comes with all these expectations. My um, uh, expression to describe desire is that it is the wheel of the universe. It what it's what keeps us going in pursuit of something. You know, when we have no desire, then <laughs> um, we're not motivated to achieve something or to pursue something. So, you know, holding that perspective, if there is an, a, a goal in mind, <laughs> you know, you, you may want to desire having that person in your life forever, or you may desire um, sexuality, sexual uh, play between you, or you may desire them to share your interests. I mean, it can manifest in a lot of different ways in a relationship. And I, you know, I think a lot of times when we refer to desire, we're thinking solely in terms of sex, but I think that's a mistake. You know, I think that desire takes many, many forms in a relationship. I think desire, without desire, this whole other thing dries up or is a little too mechanical. I think you need that back and forth or, It'd be nice to have desire the whole time, but I've not experienced that. Well, if, if love is down to just loyalty and commitment and safety, is that love? I don't know. I'd, I'd say so, at least one of the facets. And that's why I say it can't be a complete, it's this multifaceted ball or diamond moving along a continuum. And sometimes you're seeing some facets and sometimes you're not. I, th I think that thing needs to spin and you need to be looking at all these facets over time or parts of it dry up or die and some life comes out of it. Um, but there are certainly periods in a longer term relationship, friends, family, all that kind of stuff where you, 
you're 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 committed yet those feelings of love might not be there but maybe that commitment is love and i think that desire is a certain minimum requirement for love itself just because it needs a certain time to build up i would say um or like a, a certain set of emotions need to build up over a certain time and until this has happened there needs to be some sort of um, connecting factor i would say what is it that makes that partnered relationship different than um, a relationship you might have with your mother or with your best friend or with a really close you know with an intimate friend or a sibling like what is the difference in those relationships outside of sex yeah good good question I, i'll just start with my ramblings I, I just think maybe in that relationship you are now transferring so you know when i think of being younger and being at home and being with my friends i was committed to them and vulnerable with them and all my conversations were with them and then i i meet this girl and things shifted to her so they're moving away from my family and my friends to more of a single person and it isn't only well it was only that person for a while until we realized you know what we we can't be everything to each other we need other relationships as well for different things well to me there's never there hasn't been too much difference between those two types of uh, relationships generally speaking there is a certain different nuance i would say but i couldn't really point my th my finger at um why or how this happens in the last few years there has been some um, more openings so it's pretty common at least in the bubbles that i have been um, going around back home and also here that um, there has been a trend of um, having a physical aspect to friendships so this whole definition um, is kind of getting a little bit uh, more blurry in itself well, when it comes to loving a person, you know, there are some different expectations. So, uh, or different parameters or different um, rules, maybe. I hate that word. Um, there's the, the an interaction that is more variable. It's more um, volatile, it's more, there are ebbs and flows there's more opportunity to explore various aspects of yourself and various aspects of the dynamic between you and the beloved so you know i i while i think that it's all about feeling good <laughs> the more complex it becomes you know sometimes you're not always feeling good about it but nonetheless you know it doesn't mean that you no longer love you know it's just uh, we just don't have words to describe all of those states. It does seem true that in English, we do not have the words to describe all the ways in which we can feel and express love. And that seems very dangerous to me, considering that often we are inspired or required to share how we feel about another person in words. But what about those times when words are not required? when fate has pointed her slender finger or eros has fired his arrow 
What about love at first sight? About a true love that is known the instant you lock eyes with someone across a smoky room? Well, if there's an energy connection, then maybe there is. Maybe there is something that happens between two people. So the first time I saw my wife, like 43 or 44 years ago, I would say it was love at first sight. And she would say it was love at first sight. Now, it looks way different now after 40 years of marriage, and it's a whole lot of work. I had this feeling, and I turned around, and I saw, understand, like, that these halls were packed because <laughs> people were writing their exams pretty much at the same time. So the halls were packed, and it looked like the packed human beings parted, and this person, this young man, walked toward me, came right up to me, took my hand. I don't remember if he got on his knee or not. I was just so stunned with what I was seeing. And he kissed my hand. And I know the instant that I looked at him, the first hit that I got, the first impression that I got was, oh, this one's going to die young. And, you know, I, I mean, I was in love. <laughs> you know, despite that, I was in love. We were in, in love at first sight with each other. Ironically, we had the same birthday two years apart, too. He died at 21 in a car accident. No, no. I, I think there's a certain, um, there's probably, like, speaking in definitions, there's probably a certain subset of people that you will meet that fulfill the basic requirements for you to develop certain feelings towards them. But um, there is not one true love there. I think that's more or less a made up thing by media. <laughs> I, I like to play media apparently, I'm just realizing. <laughs> well, there's some, there's some spiritual groups as well that believe in there's a one true soulmate for you on earth and that you need to find them. I, I, I don't that, believe that. I, I feel like that's a very, that has a very claustrophobic thing because then you're always, that's like a like setting a goal. So you have to find someone else to be whole or to that matches you just to find some sort of fulfillment. And I think that's it's kind of it's putting up a lot of pressure in a way. And also, if there's just one person, I mean, there's a lot of room for error while developing a romantic or sexual relationship on whatever level. So just having one person seems a little bit, um, yes, claustrophobic, I would call it. It's, does it seem to you that we need love less than we did? Like, are we, are we evolving out of love or moving out of love or devolving out of love? It depends how you define love then. Are we moving out of desire into commitment are we you know i don't i don't know well or, i think um, we're, we're certainly be, uh, go ahead fabian yeah oh no you can finish if you want to but uh, we're certainly being sold something that is love that necessarily isn't when you watch movies and videos and all that kind of stuff so and because we've only got this one word called love it's re it comes with all the baggage which we we come back to the beginning of this conversation um, when, when Fabian talked about it, it's just like, you know, there's just so many, uh, so much expectation with that word. 
So are we moving out of love? Well, what part? And you know, the part where we the part where we shack up with somebody and have like a life with them. Where we have a domestic life with them. Well, I think I think there is some certain I think as humans we have a certain desire to connect to people and um there's a certain volume you, you need to fill that's determined by your personal um, parameters in a way so maybe you're a very affectionate person and you need a certain um amount of love almost but you need a certain um connection or a certain set of connections that you um so so that you can thrive or so that you can lead a happy life but um i don't well i think there's a movement towards getting this amount of connection and sense of belonging and sense of being understanding from different sources um well i think this development is increasing is increasing to um, get it from different sources as opposed to from one specific partner which um, was more or less the philosophy of um, a lot of people back in the day I would say because um, just thinking about my grandparents um, well they probably hated each other by the end the mentality was still to stay together and to not get divorced even though they're um, even though the positive feeling at one point had almost turned around completely yeah and it's a nice romantic ideal that you could spend your life with one person and live in harmony and bliss but the reality when you look at the divorce figures you know and it, it, so much of it was an ideal if we look back in the past uh, I don't know some of those a lot of those relationships were just living hells and should have been ended but we're holding up to an ideal that couldn't be, that wasn't, wasn't helpful. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think two, two things. If I don't know, I have zero, I'm basing this on zero anything other than my gut instinct that says that the more important that self-actualization becomes to us as individuals, the less important relationships with others becomes to us but it can't be completely fulfilled in yourself i don't think i think we are born to be connected in some way now it what it does mean is that we're not moving into committed relationships for the wrong reasons i think that's what's being explored right now it's just like if that's the divorce rate oh my gosh i need to look at life and love a little bit different and get different inputs and look at things differently because I don't want what I saw in the past, you know, and self-actualization, yeah, really good to know about yourself. And then your need to have to be with someone else is not there. That doesn't mean you stop being with somebody else. It means it's a, it's a maybe even a more whole or mature way to enter in a relationship. I am happy with myself. I am happy with my life. I am happy with my singleness. But I'm now willing to share that. And, and with that then comes compromise and all the other things that happen when two people meet. Um, uh, but it, it comes from a more educated or maybe healthy perspective. Do you think you can turn love off? Can you just stop loving someone because you choose to? Because you decide you don't want to love them anymore? 
Can you choose not to fall in love? I don't think you can choose to not do it, but you can also strategically just kind of, um, you can kind of just drown it in a way. You can just um, keep distance and then wait until it flakes out just because emotions and um, especially strong emotions, I think, are usually just temporary. So even if you're um, wildly in love for one day, you will probably be able to um, to suppress it long enough until the emotion itself is just a memory again. If in love is not really love, but infatuation, yeah. I think that, you know, infatu a lot of people think that infatuation is love. Attraction is not necessarily love. Attraction is interest. And um, you sometimes don't realize that until much later, much after the fact, you know, when the attraction has faded and there's not really anything left. So I don't know about falling out of true love I think that if you love somebody, you know, you're going to love them even if you're not with them. Yep, I think so. Um, I, th I think when desire is involved, it, it would be harder. Um, but I think with, it, it, with time, it would be really easy uh, to do that. In fact, my, my wife and I have to work hard at cultivating love because our, our interests are so different. Our, friend, our, our groups of friends are even different. Um, we have so many differences and we both work in different kinds of fields. It would be super easy to get busy and move into our own interests and not involve the other person and fall out of love, for sure. If someone um, came into my world, whether a colleague or, or wherever, that was incredibly attractive, uh, incredibly emotionally intuitive and we, we and artsy and i'm connecting with her on a on a level that's really deep i i do have to tell myself i'm in a committed relationship and i have made some promises and then um you know and, and a number of ideals that i live up to i will not pursue this as a love relationship and in fact even the emotional relationship is getting a little deeper than i'm comfortable with and need to just draw back a bit. So you can turn it off or you can then go further into it. But I think the active aspect just um, adds to it in a way, because if you would just be, if you would just be um, insanely in love for, um, and couldn't do anything about it, then it's not even a choice anymore. But um, if you, if you know that you have a choice, if you know that you can cut the other person just out of your life and um, deal with it over the course of time, then um, it adds to the choice of staying because only then it is a choice. So, um, yeah, I would say it only adds to the um, weight of the uh, relationship if you know that you could also go, but you're choosing to stay. But well, I've had it with my um, best friend, for example, um, who I would say um, that I love her too. Like, I love her on um, a lot of different levels. But um, there is um, fights happening every now and then. But um, every time it happens, we 
do choose to carry on with it. Um, so it's not a it's not a no brainer, and it's 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 a choice that is um, being made. And so is your best friend as like is that a monogamous friendship? A monogamous friendship. Yeah, like could you have another friendship like that? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I think there's um. I think in the way that this uh, friendship has developed, there is not really the possibility at this point to um, construct something similar. It certainly feels to me that the social rules around what relationships looks like is shifting. I think that's probably a good thing. Perhaps we'll become more accepting of each other less caught up in the definitions, are more charged by love, however we direct it. So does that mean love is just one thing, love? Or are there types of love so different that we need to find new words for our relationships? I think when you are involved in it with unconditional love, when you're experiencing that, it becomes much more important to know where your personal parameters are. It doesn't mean that you will love any less, it just means that you will not sacrifice yourself to it. You won't be like, you know, a doormat. We had foster kids through about a 10, 10 or 15 year period. And I recall getting this uh, foster kid in and she was three months old. And, and do you hold back love because you're only gonna have them maybe for a week or a month or a year? We didn't know how long they were looking for. Um, a family for her and both my wife and I decided we would not hold back. We would give absolutely all our love to this child and not hold back even though we knew our hearts would be broken when we had to give her up to this family, joyfully give her to this other family, but be wrecked in the process. And I still tear up thinking about that. And that was like over 15 years ago. And it just like, the pain of that separation and, and giving over is, is still with me to this day, yet it was the right thing to do. So, so that made me think, well, would I have treated this child any different if I decided not to attach like that? Like, you know, is, is love a verb? Like if I held the child, would I hold it any different if it was holding back some love? Like, what is this love? It's like, well, I would still, but, but maybe there is more to it. I think that there's not necessarily a way to um, compare different types of love for different types of people because they're, well, excluding certain misconceptions about the um, word itself. I would say that there is, or as soon as there is a very deeply profound um, feeling of appreciation and affection, what I define as love, there is um, a certain, like a shade to it. So there's a there's different, um, different versions you feel towards different things. For example, I would love my mother, for example, differently than I love Maggie, who's one of the dogs here that I'm looking after. Uh, base to me love is something that makes you feel good you know it's an energy that you experience as a feeling and that feeling is a lovely feeling so from that perspective when we talk about love 
um, and how we feel good around certain people or objects or, or you know, animals or um, there may be varying degrees of it, but it's, you know, like a beautiful summer day when you're out in the in the woods and you don't have to wear your clothes and you know the breezes and the sun and the smells and i mean oh my god it feels wonderful and of course you're gonna love it you know <laughs> but it's not asking you to give anything back to it other than to enjoy it but when it comes to loving a person you know, there are some different expectations. So, uh, or different parameters or different um, rules, maybe, I hate that word. Um, there's the, the, an interaction that is more variable. And I think that um, also to love and to, to truly love um, is to, you know, yes, the desire to be loved back is there, but you know, you you have to put the other person in the relationship um, in a perspective where it's not just about you and what you want. You know, you have to be respectful. Following the path of love has de definitely brought me into conflict with my you know, my white Anglo-Saxon middle-class Orthodox Christian midlife life. And I've had to reshape and rethink some really big areas in my life. And then, um, you know, my whole spiritual walk growing up as a Protestant, I just was getting more and more frustrated with the language of, of a wrathful God and uh, all that. I, I just couldn't reconcile that and move to towards Orthodox Christianity so that I'm at least within a conversation that has been taking place for 2000 years, where they've been looking more at these things and what they might mean and seeing like, oh yeah, for a few hundred years, it was like this, and then they moved to this, and then they moved to this, and now we're here, and, and on, and just moving towards a, a less us and them, and uh, us and them mentality and a heaven or hell mentality to all of us walking together on this beautiful human journey and and seeing justice more as a, a restorative thing as, a, as opposed to a punitive thing, right? And, um, and, and walking that out. And I, I've just found great solace in, in, in moving in that direction. And then the, the last area would have been um, even my, my gender biases or uh, homosexuality or along that, like I would have grown up uh, with a completely different worldview than maybe I carry now. But my, my son, when he came out as being gay, it, it just made me have to rethink so many things as to what love is, because I started to see him in a very loving relationship. And then I started to meet his friends were, that were in a very committed, loyal, uh, relationships with each other that we, we still see for and have for the last um, 10 or so years. So, I mean, is it a verb? Is it is it those things that you do and that you walk out that are called love? When I think of martyrdom or people that have just, they, they are self-giving. They have given their lives away for the betterment of other people. They're willing to die for them. They're willing to give their voice to something they believe in 
that is a loving ideal uh, for the sake of others at the expense of torture and torment and death, right? So then you've moved even past um, the whole thing. Well, first, what can I get? Now, what can I give um, in return to what can I give with nothing in return? After creating this episode, I think I have refined my own idea of love a little finer. I think love might be highly personal and subjective, that you can feel love for anyone, but that doesn't mean anyone can be in relationship. Relationships seem to require something more than love, or a deeper commitment to expressing love. I would really love to hear what you think of love, so please feel free to email me or to comment on the She Speaks Volumes Facebook page. Links are in the show notes. The next book we are covering will take us around the world to Mexico to Poems, Protest, and a Dream by Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, a 17th century nun at odds with the church. That episode will be posted on October the 1st.